I can tell you, like I talk about in the book, that 100% of people with an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. have leaky gut, um, bad leaky gut. Hmm. 100% of people with coronary artery disease have leaky gut. 100% of people with with uh, dementia, brain fog, any processing problem in their brain have leaky gut. Hmm. 100% of people with diabetes have leaky gut. It's that prevalent. he knew all disease came from the gut. What he didn't know is that all disease comes from leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is all disease can be reversed when you seal your leaky gut. And that's what I've been teaching patients for over 20 years. Welcome to Hone In with me, Saad Alam. This is a podcast that goes deep into topics that help you live longer and smarter. Each week, we'll deliver science-backed advice from the world's leading experts in nutrition, health, technology, fitness, relationships, and mindset. We cut through the BS to get you real answers and solutions. So let's hone in. I really want to understand how did someone that is arguably one of the preeminent surgeons, not even just an okay surgeon, the heart surgeon in the country, decide to say, I'm going to move from that directly into gut health. What an idiot, (laughs) as my wife reminded me for many, many years. Yeah, my life was changed by this guy who I call Big Ed in all my books, who was a real guy from Miami, Florida who was 48 years old when I met him, and he had inoperable coronary artery disease. Every blood vessel in his heart was so clogged up that you couldn't put stents in him, and you couldn't do bypasses. And everywhere he went, everybody said, nope, can't help you, You sorry, you're inoperable. So he winds up at Loma Linda, where in Southern California, where I was professor and chairman, and he shows me his angiogram, the cardiac catheterization, from six months previous from Miami. And I go, you know, uh, and I, I call him Big Ed because mm-hmm. when I met him, he was 265 pounds, big guy. Okay. And I said, you know, uh, I'd love to take you on, but I got to agree with everybody else. There's nothing, nothing any of us can do for you. He says, well, look, uh, I've been doing this for six months. I've been on a diet, and I've lost 45 pounds in six months. And he says, and I've gone to a health food store, and I bought a bunch of supplements, and I've been taking all these supplements. And he he actually brings in a giant shopping bag. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, maybe I did something in here. And, you know, I'm scratching my professor beard and going, well, you know, good for you. But it's not going to, good for you for losing weight, but it's not going to do anything here. And I know what you did with all those supplements. You made expensive urine, which is what I firmly believe. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, look, you know, I've come all this way. It's been six months. Could we just get another angiogram? Rolling my eyes and going, yeah, okay. So we get a new angiogram. And in six months' time, this guy has cleaned out 50% of the blockages in his heart. 50% 50% gone. Now, if I knew what I knew today, I would have just said, hey, great work. Let's keep going at this. Tell me what you're doing. Well, heart surgeon, you know, if, if all you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yep. So I said, great. Now there's places to put bypasses in. You know, So I did a five-vessel bypass on him. 
But afterwards, I'm going, you know, this, this, I've never seen anything like this. Tell me, tell me about your diet and let me look at those supplements. So he starts describing what he was eating. And on, with serendipity, I was, I went to Yale as an undergraduate back in the dark ages. Mm -hmm. And in those days, we could design our own major. And you could choose, it was basically a master's program where you met with several full professors for four years and you worked on a thesis. And my thesis was you could take a great ape, manipulate its, its food supply, manipulate its environment, and prove you'd arrive at a human. Yep. So I wrote my thesis, I defended my thesis, I got an honors, and I gave it to my parents and went off to be a world-famous heart surgeon. So um, when he starts describing what he's eating, I said, well, wait a minute. You know, that's, that's my thesis. That's what ancient humans ate. You've been eating it. And I said, hmm, uh, let me look in those supplements. And one of the things I was famous for was inventing ways to protect the heart during heart surgery from cutting off the blood flow to the heart for two or three hours or heart transplant, putting a heart in a bucket of ice water for a day or two days and restarting it. Mm -hmm. And I put all this interesting, lack of a better word, chemicals in the blood, down the veins and arteries of the heart and showed that that protected the heart. So I'm rummaging through his supplements and I'm going, son of a gun, a lot of the compounds that I use to protect the heart oh. are in his supplement mm -hmm. and I'm going you know it never occurred to me to to swallow yep. the dumb things mm -hmm. so why it's so poignant is that I was uh, a big fat overweight guy too I was obese I had pre-diabetes hypertension high cholesterol so when I met Big Ed and operated on him. I called my folks and he said, do you still have my thesis? And they said, oh yeah, you know, it's in the shrine. And, and, and so- They love you, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah. And so I, you know, I started myself on my thesis mm -hmm. and I started swallowing a bunch of the stuff I was putting down the veins and arteries of hearts. And I lost 50 pounds my first year and lost another 20 and kept it off for 28 years now. And so when this happened to me and my high blood pressure went away, my diabetes went away, my cholesterol went away, my arthritis went away. I used to have migraine headaches doing baby heart transplants. Never again. I mean, I don't have them. So I would operate on patients at Loma Linda and then I'd give them my diet and send them to Costco or Trader Joe's or a health food store for supplements because there wasn't an Amazon. And lo and behold, the same things happened to these patients. Mm -hmm. So after a year of doing this at Loma Linda, I looked in the mirror one day going to work and I said, you know, I've got this all wrong. I shouldn't operate on people and then tell them, yep. tell them how to avoid me in the future. I should teach them to avoid me, and I'll never have to operate on. And so I literally, stupidly, uh, resigned my position mm -hmm. and set up a, a clinic in Palm Springs, which is just down the road from Loma Linda. 
And because I'm a researcher, I, I asked patients, look, I want to take some foods away from you. I want you to eat some foods. I want you to buy these supplements at a health food store. And I want to draw your blood every three months. Insurance will cover it. And I want to see what happens. And you know, so that's how all this crazy stuff started. Really quickly, tell people what leaky gut ex exactly is in like the most simplistic definition. Yeah, so what's crazy, we the lining of our gut is simply our skin turned inside out. And the surface area of the lining of our gut from our mouth down to our anus is the same surface area as a tennis court inside of us. Mm. That big. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. Some people argue two tennis courts, but let's not quibble. We have a design flaw, and then that, that surface area is only one cell thick mm -hmm. instead of really thick. And those cells, so everything we swallow, all the bacteria in us, all the foods in us, are only one cell away from us. Mm -hmm. And those cells, because they're so important, are held together with what are called tight junctions. Now, are you old enough to play, have played Red Rover, Red Rover? Of course. Of course. Yep. Kids are not allowed to do it anymore. Stop Now it. illegal. Stop it. It's illegal in schools. Too dangerous. <laughs> Stop it. Anyhow, so we all, right, there are two mm -hmm. lines of kids, and we all locked arms, and the big guy came running across, and the girl screamed. And you know. So everybody's locked with locked arm and arm tight junction so that nothing can get across. Mm-hmm. So... Um, a professor of pediatric gastroenterology at the University of Maryland, who is now at Harvard, Alessio Fasano from Naples, was curious how in the world gluten, which happens to be a lectin, could be associated with the extreme form of leaky gut called celiac disease. Mm -hmm. And he worked out the mechanism where if these plant particles can get to the wall of the gut, they'll attach and they will make a compound and there won't be a test, I promise, um, called zonulin. Zonulin attaches to another receptor and it breaks the tight junction. So now there's a gap between mm -hmm. the wall of the gut and us. And so, and so that's intestinal permeability or leaky gut. Leaky gut's easier to remember. So what? Well, now bacteria can yep. get through the wall of the gut. Food particles can get through the wall of the gut. And other interesting pieces of bacteria. Now the problem is 80% of all of our white blood cells, our immune system, line the gut wall. 80%. 80% are sitting right in they're our right, gut. They're right, they're right there. Okay. Why? Because that's the place mischief can come through. Mm -hmm. That's our border. And so that's where we concentrate our defense forces. And what my and others have shown is that once that activation occurs, a chain of events occurs through what's called molecular mimicry that we begin to attack 
other proteins in our body mm -hmm. that resemble the things that are coming across. And that's where autoimmune disease comes from. And what Hippocrates didn't know, and I submit and gut check that all, he knew all disease came from the gut. What he didn't know is that all disease comes from leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is all disease can be reversed when you seal your leaky gut. And that's what I've been teaching patients for over 20 years, how to do it. And so almost think about the ends of the spectrum, right? There is a perfectly healthy gut that is 100% sealed. Yep. Is it that when you have 10% and maybe 10% uh, deterioration that is not leaky gut. Maybe that's the beginning of it. Is it not until you get to 50%? Like where is the the spectrum here? How how damaged should I think my gut is once you've actually waved the, the white flag and said, hey, this is pretty darn bad? Well, I can tell you, like I talk about in the book, that 100% of people with an autoimmune disease mm -hmm. have leaky gut. Um, bad leaky gut. A hundred percent of people with coronary artery disease have leaky gut. A hundred percent of people with with uh, dementia or brain fog or any processing problem in their brain have leaky gut. hundred percent of people with diabetes have leaky gut. It's that prevalent. Is it as strong to say that the reason you have a lot of those diseases is because you have leaky gut, leaky gut, or is that just more a symptom? Nope, it is the cause. That's a pretty strong statement. It is the cause. Hippocrates was right. So all and chronic so, diseases, are you're saying, started in our gut to a certain extent? Yeah, people think, so people equate chronic diseases with inflammation. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is the cause of all chronic disease. But what they don't stop to think about is, well, wait a minute, where did the inflammation come from? And people go, oh, well, you know, inflammation. I, if you eat inflammatory foods, you'll get inflammation. No. Correspondingly, if you eat anti-inflammatory foods, uh, living in California, that's like fighting a forest fire with a garden hose. Uh, so you could, eat, you could eat all the anti-inflammatory foods, however we wanted to find them. But if you don't change the underlying factors that are causing leaky gut, you'll never catch up. Okay, so that's actually a really interesting concept because I was under the impression that if you start eating the right foods, i.e. ones that are anti-inflammatory, it should theoretically fix your leaky gut. But you're saying you can have a leaky gut, eat anti-inflammatory foods, and it's actually not fixing the problem. Correct. How do you fix, well, how do you diagnose and then how do you fix the problem? Well, so the good news is if you have any of these conditions, we know you got a leaky gut. How do I know that? Because there are simple blood tests mm -hmm. that can be done to actually quantify the amount of leaky gut you have. Mm -hmm. And there are simple blood tests that can quantify how sensitive you are to the factors that cause leaky gut. For instance, 100% of people, which is mind-boggling, with leaky gut have antibodies to 
all the various forms of wheat, rye, barley, and oats, like gluten, like wheat germ gluten, and like non-gluten proteins. And 100%, hmm. every one of them, even people who have been gluten-free for 10 years, still have antibodies to it. Okay. Yep. That's why 70% of people with celiac disease, which again is this extreme form of gluten intolerance, put on a gluten-free diet for a year and a half, 70% of them will still have celiac disease by intestinal biopsy, which is the gold standard. Why? Because most of their gluten-free foods are loaded with the compounds that are actually causing the leaky gut, like corn, for instance. Okay. Okay, so I, I <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much for me to wrap my mind around. And how do you actually fix it if it can't necessarily be with just changing the kind of foods you're, you're eating? Or it is it? Changing? Oh, it is. Yeah. Once I mean, number two, two main factors. Number one, way back when this actually came out of my research at Yale, um, we did not eat a lot of modern plant compounds until 10,000 years ago when the agricultural revolution started. Mm -hmm. We didn't eat wheat. We didn't eat beans. They were in inedible. We didn't eat barley. We didn't eat rye. Corn, most of us in the world only were exposed to corn 500 years ago when Colombian trade started. Yep. Most of us were never exposed to a North or South American plant until 500 years ago, like potatoes, like tomatoes, like peppers, like eggplant, like goji berries, mm -hmm. um, the nightshade family. None of us were, were exposed to quinoa. Um, none of us. We've never had enough time to train our immune system that these things are not foreign, number okay. one. Number two, we evolved over millions of years a gut microbiome that was the first line of defense against anything we ate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the gut check book is about how our microbiome would normally be constituted to protect us from anything that wanted to get to our gut barrier. That microbiome has been decimated um, by the antibiotics we personally use. Pesticides. Pesticides, glyphosate. Yep. Glyphosate was patented as an antibiotic, not as a weed killer. Hmm. Antibiotic. Interesting. Yeah. And it's sprayed on everything. And third, most of the antibiotics we consume are because they were fed to our animals, and then we ate the animals that now contain the antibiotics. So we've wiped out this you know, amazing offensive front four that's protecting our quarterback. So now we're bringing guys from the bleachers down to fill the gap. Hey, I've got my I've got my C team right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Most, if we're lucky. Lucky. Yeah. I was gonna say, if you got guys from the bleachers. Like these are people that even couldn't even walk on. Right. So that's, that's part one. The other thing which we've learned through the years is not only are those guys gone, but those guys were actually in charge of teaching the immune system, our white blood cells, who they should be worried about and who they shouldn't be worrying about. Mm -hmm. And who's got 
these guys back and who they really should worry about. And that's completely gone. I'll give you an example from my patients. So 100% of people, let's just use gluten for an example, have antibodies to gluten when we see them. Okay. Within nine months, for most people, we can seal their leaky gut. As we see their leaky gut sealing, and we can quantify this, those antibodies to gluten go away. They, by nine months, all of my patients no longer have any antibodies to their various forms of wheat, hmm. like gluten. They're gone. Now you go, what the heck? Why are they gone? Well, the immune system, which is exciting, can be retrained that, hey guys, number one, these guys aren't showing up anymore. Number two, we're now kind of reconstituted and we can actually measure this, we can quantify it. It's, I mean, it's the coolest thing for somebody to say, oh my gosh. How do you go about doing it? Like, I'm just, just, a, just a blood test. Well, I mean, no, psoriasis. That, that, no, that I understand. The How do you test, do it? Yeah. So what we do is we basically, this comes back to my research back on the dark ages. There were certain foods that we were designed to eat and certain foods that we were never designed to eat. Mm -hmm. You can detoxify some of these foods with pressure cooking or fermentation like our ancestors used to. But we just basically take troublemaking foods away from people, primarily most of the grains and pseudo-grains, except millet and sorghum. We take away their beans, their lentils, hmm. their rice. We take away the nightshade family, uh, or you can peel and de-seed your tomatoes. And we take away peanuts and cashews, which are just deadly for most people. So what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of these things are things that I love. Of course. Yep. Most of my patients who are struggling with an issue are, for the most part, eating very healthy. Mm -hmm. But the healthy foods that they've been told to eat are the things that are actually causing their problem. So is it really like a diet elimination? Well, it's, an, it's, a, it's a diet modification. It's not an elimination diet mm -hmm. because we give people tons of food. But we're taking away the foods that, number one, we were never designed to eat. And then to your prior point, you said that you can reintroduce those foods once your gut has actually said, you know what, we've got the A-team in, this is the elite immunity force that's going to be making sure that it blocks everything out. Why is it that you can reintroduce those foods after you basically re reinvigorated your defense and it not happen again? Well, because, you know, number one, you no longer have leaky gut, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, it turns out that if you have a diverse gut microbiome, they love to eat these things. For mm -hmm. instance, believe it or not, there are bacteria that love gluten. They just think it's delicious. Mm -hmm. None of us have those bacteria. You hear people say, oxalates really bother me. Oxalates, you know, like in spinach or avocado, and you know, I get pain and joint pain. Those people lack the normal oxalate bacteria, eating bacteria. Mm -hmm. And people who have the oxalate ba eating bacteria, oxalates are not a problem. One of the most you know, striking features is we, we study super old people, folks 
105 years old and look at their gut microbiome. These people, in general, have a gut microbiome that resembles a 30-year-old's microbiome. And what's really cool is these super old people have a gut microbiome that loves to eat xenobiotics. Mm -hmm. Now, what the heck is a xenobiotic? Xenobiotic are all these crazy man-made invented things like plastics, like endocrine disruptors, like, you know, like estrogen mimics. They eat them. And it's like, you know, we know, we now know there are bacteria that'll eat oil slicks. They're just looking for carbon atoms oh, to that's eat. So interesting, because right, I think I spent a lot of time thinking about why are there hormonal problems globally. And right when you look at the plastics, the fertilizers, the PCBs, a lot of them resemble estrogenic compounds right. that tell the hormone regulating centers in our brain to shut down endogenous testosterone production. And so you're saying centenarians, yeah. they have these bulletproof microbi gut microbiomes that are like, hey, uh, <laughs> is it, <laughs> can I have that? Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to eat this up and it's not even going to bother me. Correct. And so then if you almost follow your logic down, when we look at the global hormone problem, right, we've looked at men 30 years ago had 26% more testosterone and 50% more sperm. And I bet if you started thinking about when pesticides were used, they started killing the gut microbiome, which then made them more susceptible to all of the things that they were, all the crap that was actually coming into their body. Correct. And in fact, I have never met a man who I couldn't get him a normal testosterone. From diet. From diet. Ooh, hold on. Never. This is interesting. Is I don't it, want to put you out of business. I was just about to say, listen, I'm perfectly happy to give that secret away because it means guys will be a whole lot happier. I mean, their lives will run, yeah. be a whole lot better. Uh, their families' lives will be a whole lot better. What is it? Can you can you give away the secret? Yeah, well, you you want to eliminate these endocrine disruptors out of your diet as best you can. And you want to get a, there's actually now, I've got a whole chapter on, there's an astral biome that is involved in making testosterone and estrogen in our gut mm -hmm. from our gut bacteria. Hmm. And you can actually, if you will, cultivate those guys by giving them what they want to eat. And what's really striking is a lot of women, particularly postmenopausal women, don't realize that their potentially elevated estrogen levels are actually coming out of their microbiome hmm. and that's causing them to get breast cancer because they have a breast uh, an estrogen receptor positive cancer and it's actually coming from their gut microbiome hippocrates is right all disease all disease comes from the gut right we talk about this a lot my father uh Type 2 diabetic, non-insulin dependent, became insulin dependent, leads to kidney disease, leads to multiple strokes, all started quite literally from the food he ate. Uh, and that was like the thing, right? Like South South Indian diets. Yeah. I mean, there's just ghee, there's carbs, there's a, and there's a lot of it. Um, I guess, the, you know, the, the next natural question I have, which is, so you have all this information. You're basically going out and you're telling the world that you should 
practice this modification of your diet. And if you do that, all these other problems that you have will go away. 94% of people who follow this program with an autoimmune disease are in remission on no drugs in nine months. I mean, that's up. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that might be the single most effective drug I've ever seen. Of course. Like, I mean, I can't think of one thing that's going to beat it. Where do you think that people struggle with doing that? Because if, if your life is going to change by reading that book, what's the hardest part about it? Well, it's giving up a lot of the things that we, I guess, call comfort foods or mm -hmm. cultural. Mm -hmm. But what I've tried to do through the years is fi find a program that you can live with literally mm -hmm. and figuratively and make as good a swap as you possibly can. I mean, I'll give you an example. Most of my people with autoimmune disease who resolve their psoriasis, let's use that as an example, they'll go on vacation over in Europe. and Yep, I know where this is going. They'll eat a you know, baguette or they'll have a pizza and a croissant and they're great. They're oh, fine. Really? Okay. And they go, oh my gosh, you know, Dr. Gundry's cured me. Mm -hmm. you know, thank you, Dr. Gundry. They come back here and go, well, I'm cured. <laughs> I, I can have our bread and mm -hmm. I can have our pizza. And within two or three weeks, they're back on the phone going, oh my gosh, you know, my psoriasis just flared. What the heck? Mm -hmm. I said, you started eating our stuff, didn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you cured me. No, I got glyphosate, among other things, out of your diet as best I could. And it's not over there in Europe. It's pretty much banned. Hmm. And so what most people don't realize is that all of our food is just drenched in glyphosate. All of our conventional crops are sprayed with glyphosate. It's not a GMO product anymore. And though, so all of our wheat sprayed with glyphosate, all of our oats. That all, also means all of our animals are eating it too then. Bingo. So it's fed to our animals. So mm -hmm. now they're the conduit to it. I mean, it's spread in our schools. We spray it on our sidewalks. Most California wines have glyphosate because it's sprayed between the, the rows. And so glyphosate, again, it's an antibiotic. And the weird thing about glyphosate, it can cause leaky gut all by itself. You don't need any other help. Mm -hmm. number one and number two glyphosate particularly targets the tryptophan pathway making bacteria making bacteria which makes serotonin the feel-good hormone makes gaba calms down dopamine and they're all killed whenever we eat a glyphosate containing food so what you're almost saying though is like we're if we live in this country it is you, really hard to get away from those things. That's true. Well, one of the, a couple of weeks ago, a new review of fast food uh, came out, and all fast food in the United States is loaded with glyphosate. The number one, which shocks everybody, mm -hmm. the highest content of glyphosate is in Panera bread foods. Panera. The fast and food. It's interesting because Panera is kind of marketed as feeling cleaner than McDonald's, Burger King. Yeah. yeah. And it's the number one. Quaker Oats has huge amounts of glyphosate. Organic oats have huge amounts of glyphosate because mm -hmm. it drifts from the field next door. So can you actually, great example, I love oats. 
it's a it probably it's like the main carb in my diet. You're not a horse. Okay. Hor horses were designed to fatten. Oats were designed to fatten horses for winter. Mm -hmm. My one of my daughters is a horsewoman, and she assures me that's the only purpose of oats. What can I do to replace them? So use millet or sorghum. They're hullless. Okay. And oats have a protein that cross reacts with gluten, mm -hmm. and there are no such thing as a glyphosate-free oats in this in this country. I actually literally this morning bought a 10 pound bag of oats that I'm going to go home and I'm going to toss out. Give it to your horse. I will give it to my horse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, sorghum and millet are great replacements. Okay. Okay. Millet is, and it literally is, it just doesn't have a hole on it. It doesn't have a hole. Most of the plant's protective systems are in the hull, and these defense systems are called lectins, and lectins are one of the ways a plant tries to convince you it would be a really dumb idea for you to eat that plant baby. Originally, mm -hmm. uh, plants were here first. Um, they had a really good before animals arrived. Nobody wanted to eat them. Insects were the first plant predator. Mm -hmm. uh, they came about uh, 80 million years later. Lectins were designed by plants to paralyze the insect. Hmm. So if the insect couldn't move, somebody can't in. So plants develop chemical biologic warfare because they can't run, they can't hide, they can't fight. But they're chemists. I mean, they they can turn sunlight into matter, and we can't mm -hmm. yet. So that's how they do it, and that's what I've focused on all my career. Is okay how these guys figured this out. And why did our ancestors purposely avoid all these foods or detoxify them by fermentation? For instance, the Incas. Everybody said, well, the Incas eat quinoa. Look how strong they were. The Incas didn't just cook quinoa. They knew how dangerous it was. So they let it rot. They fermented it. Mm -hmm. Then they cooked it. And it's not on the package directions. The Italians, when they eat beans, soak it for at least 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours. And if you've ever soaked beans, you'll notice that this foam comes up yes. to the top of the water. Yep. That's fermentation of the beans, and the lectins are on the skin of the bean. Hmm. The fermentation, the bacteria, bless their little hearts, like to eat lectins. And so they do the work for us. So all these cultures, and I go around the world studying, how these guys figure this out? Uh, they always got her end around. So theoretically, I could maybe be suffering from leaky gut syndrome. I'm actually going to do a blood test. I mean, I look at like 300 biomarkers every 90 days. So I, um, what are the ones you think I should be looking at? So you want to look at anti-zonulin IgG, okay. anti-actin IgG, and anti-LPS IgG. LPS is lipopolysaccharides. Okay. I don't swear, but I call them little pieces of shit. <laughs> because okay. they're actually bacterial cell walls. And, okay. are, and these are the, the classic for looking at leaky gut. Okay. And the cool thing is you can watch them go away. I've got to eat about 120, 140 grams of carbs per day you know, mm -hmm. for my diet. I can't replace it all with millet. Sure you could if could you I? wanted to. Okay, that's a true statement. I could if I wanted to. I could become 
I could go buy a 50 pound bag of millet. What you, else is on that list? I mean, you could pressure cook white rice mm -hmm. and use basmati rice, uh, preferably. Okay. That's easy. So one. that's easy. You know, I have a lot of Indian uh, descended patients and that's the, the compromise we make. You can pressure cook lentils. Mm -hmm. Works great. There's several companies that pressure cook beans and lentils. Eden Brand is one of them. Mm -hmm. Another one is called Jovial. Uh, it's an Italian company. Think about a happy person. So you can, and they pressure cook. Why do they pressure cook? Because, I mean, for instance, I have a number of Brazilians who, who were brought up on rice and beans, and they always pressure cook their beans. And I have one fairly young man who his mother's pressure cooker exploded when he was 12. Mm. And so they didn't use a pressure cooker again. And that's when his issues started. He developed, you know, terrible gut issues, bloating, and then he developed two autoimmune diseases. And the minute we traced it back, we said, of course, it was when your mother stopped pressure cooking your food. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Let me turn other than the fact that I'm dealing with the dealing with the reality that I've got to change my entire diet after this conversation. I'm sorry. I'm actually, I'm not, I'm stoked. I'm stoked about it. Cause that means if I figure out, I feel great generally, mm -hmm. but if this is, if I can feel better and it's that simple, I'm going to get rid of it tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much like you said, I'll speak to facts. I'll try it out. I'll, I'll eliminate them. I'll see if I feel any better. I'm going to go look for those three IgG LPS, the little pieces of shit. I'm going to go find those guys. What are your feelings about keto? Well, I wrote a whole book on how the way keto is recommended is completely wrong. That diet allows little pieces of shit direct access into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So why you would want to do that is beyond my comprehension. These pieces of bacteria ride on a, a truck that carries fat into across the wall of our gut. And they're, again, there won't be a test, so they're called chylomicrons. Mm -hmm. And these LPSs literally jump on the, the truck to ride across the wall of their gut. The problem is that our immune system, our, our immune system has barcode scanners that they read what are any form, exactly. It's like you know, a passport reader. Mm -hmm. Are you on the no-fly list? Or they can't tell the difference between a dead bacteria and a living one mm -hmm. because they're just reading the wall. Um, if you remember, uh, the Ice Man uh, became famous by having himself injected with LPSs in his bloodstream, which in a normal healthy volunteer would cause septic shock. Your blood pressure would drop to zero, your mm -hmm. heart rate would go to 170. So he, using breath techniques, was completely immune to that effect. And he taught 20 people to do it as well. But normally our immune system sees these guys and says, oh my gosh, you know, the, the wall of our gut has, the, the hordes are coming across the Great Wall of China, we're under attack, you know, mobilize the troops, um, Wherever you see these guys attack, and among other places that these guys deposit, is in the wall of our blood vessels. And th there, the inflammation is literally because our immune system 
sees them and <laughs> says, these are abnormal and go for that. What people got wrong about keto is that ketones uh, are not a great source of fuel. In fact, if you look at elite athletes on a ketogenic diet, only 30% of all their fuel use is from ketones. 70% is from free fatty acid. Mm -hmm. The reason ketones existed in the first place is because free fatty acids, if you're starving or on a ketogenic diet, can't get through the blood-brain barrier fast enough because they're too big. Yep. Ketones are tiny, and they can get through the blood-brain barrier, and so they can keep the brain alive. But what no one really quite got is that ketones are important because they're signaling molecules that tell our mitochondria that times are really rough and you're starving to death, and if you don't do something to protect yourself, all is lost. And this was actually discovered in the year 2000 by Jeffrey Brand, who wrote a simple book, a paper called Un Uncoupling to Survive. And I spent, this is the third book talking about it. Mitochondria uncoupling has nothing to do with Gwyneth Paltrow getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> not that kind of uncoupling. We normally couple in a in mitochondria, oxygen and um, pro protons to make ATP. We couple them together. Mitochondrial uncoupling is you actually allow a bunch of protons to escape without ever making energy. And the more you, so you uncouple the oxidative phosphorylation, the more you allow that to a point the healthier you become, the longer you live, and the better your mitochondria are. And so ketones, it turns out, are the signaling molecule that tell your mitochondria to do that. Hmm. But there's oodles of other signaling molecules like polyphenols, which is one of my favorite subjects. So uh, why is that important? If you look at super old people, they have the most uncoupled mitochondria. The best example, real-world example, is there's a, a theory of aging called the cost of living hypothesis. Basically says the faster your metabolic rate, the, the shorter your lifespan. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Little animals don't live a long time. Big animals like you and me, an elephant, a whale, live a very long time, relatively. And in general, we have a slower metabolic rate, they have a higher metabolic rate. The exception to that rule is birds. Hmm. Birds have incredible lifespans, except they have a very high metabolic rate. A hummingbird can live 12 years in captivity and it has a heartbeat of 1,100 beats per minute. A parrot can live 85 to 100 years. And is it? have a heart rate that fast when it's flying or it just resting? even at rest okay so yeah. you're talking like and we were normally 50 to 100 okay yeah why do they live so long mm -hmm. they have the most uncoupled mitochondria of any species so what are the other so let's assume right to your point when you go into ketosis or when you have a keto diet 
the ketones are good, but really for uncoupling your mitochondria. Correct. And to get it one step further, and this book talks about that, the most important mitochondria to uncouple mm -hmm. are in the wall of your gut. Because as the wall of your gut ages mm -hmm. and breaks down, so do you. And there's really beautiful, elegant experiments using this cute little worm called C. elegans. Yep. And, and every experiment in C. elegans has always been reproducible in higher animals. So whatever happens in those guys, you can guarantee it, it happens wherever we've tried it. So C. elegans only ages as the wall of its gut becomes penetrable, leaky. Only ages meaning it can quite literally live indefinitely if it doesn't Correct. ever have leaky gut. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And one of the best ways to prevent or keep that wall intact is to keep your mitochondria uncoupled in the wall of your gut and all sorts of great tricks. So what are the other, because I mean, now you got me thinking, right, like how do I quote unquote, uncouple my mitochondria? Is it just consuming exogenous ketones? No. So okay. Basically a waste of time. Waste of time. HVMN. Number one, tastes awful. It, that does, it does taste horrible. Yeah. No, the easiest way is what our ancestors did, is our ancestors practiced, because there was nothing else for them to do, a time-restricted eating diet. Yep. They only ate for a minimum amount of time each day. We know if we have metabolic flexibility, we'll start making ketones about eight hours after our last meal. We'll start producing them. Mm -hmm. So, and those ketones send a signal to uncouple mitochondria. So, in general, the longer that ketone signal occurs in a 24-hour cycle, then the better you're going to do. Now, how long is good? Well, most of the work by Matheson out of the NIH, it looks like a six-hour eating window may be the best. There's been no benefit shown in a four-hour eating window. Mm -hmm. I do a two-hour eating window for half the year. Um, which I've done now for, this will be my 25th year. Um, so meaning you're, you don't eat for 22 hours of the day. Correct. And then I eat all my calories in two hours, the OMAD diet. Okay. And we, we talked about it here. You, you don't want to, there's no evidence that our ancestors were always in ketosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I take, I break during the weekend and just take another meal, but you look at hunter-gatherers, most of them never eat until 10, 11, 12. Because uh, they, they got to go get their food. They got to go get the food. It's like, you know, I tell my patient, you think our ancestors crawled out of the cave and said, what's for breakfast? <laughs> there isn't any breakfast. Mm -hmm. you know, there's no refrigeration. There's no storage system. You got to go find it. And mm -hmm. you were designed to go find it. The other cool thing is the microbiome and the wall of the gut needs rest and mm -hmm. people forget that digesting food and absorbing food a lot of energy is hard work yep. and the average american uh by sasha panda's work out of san diego average american eats 16 hours a day average american 
But that seems to track. Like you eat from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep. Yeah. And you're getting eight hours of sleep at best. That yeah. that tracks perfectly yeah. well. So there is there is no downtime. There's no repair time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, even you know, even even a car has to go in for downtime. Even even an airplane has to go in for downtime. And it's this repair time that if you if you really believe Hippocrates, and I certainly have come to accept it, you gotta spend most of your attention on your gut and the wall of your gut. And if you pay attention, then you'll be fine. You know, Hippocrates believed that all of us had a, a green life force energy, mm -hmm. um, very California speak, um, that wanted a creature to have perfect health. Mm -hmm. But there were external factors that were keeping that green life force energy from being expressed. So Hippocrates believed the physician's job was to be a detective and figure out what were those external factors, mm -hmm. teach the patient to remove them, and then the green life force energy would take care of it. Now, that sounds really hokey. It sounds a little woo, right? It's really woo-woo. It but, you know, but what he didn't know is that that green life force energy, which we probably called the brown life force energy, mm -hmm. it was the microbiome. Hmm. I mean, there's a hundred trillion just bacteria in our gut, not to mention the viruses, the fungi, the worms, we're their home. And they have a symbiotic relationship with them. They have far more genes than we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, to put a hundred trillion in, in perspective, there's been a new survey. There are now three trillion trees in the world. So that means there are 97 trillion more bacteria in our gut than there are trees in the world. Yeah, I was doing the math and I was thinking like 30 more Earths. And then we have the same number of microbiome bacteria than we have on 30 Earths. That's a lot. That's, that's a just, lot. That's a, that, this is a weird question. And I, I bet you, I don't know if anyone's ever figured out the answer. When you have leaky gut syndrome, is it you have a hundred trillion of the wrong bacteria or you go from a hundred trillion to 70 trillion to 30? Is there any kind of quantification there? Well, that's part of the problem that I think people don't get and try to straighten people out in gut check. If you've got leaky gut, for years we said, well, there's bad bacteria and there's good bacteria and you want good bacteria and those bad bacteria you don't want. Well, it mm -hmm. turns out the bad bacteria are actually very important, and they've got to be there for reasons that I go into in the book. Plus, if you've got leaky gut, then good bacteria leaking across the wall of your gut are now bad bacteria because mm -hmm. they're on the wrong side of the fence. Yep. So you could have phenomenal good set of bacteria and still have leaky gut yeah. because you're munching on oatmeal and wheat and Ezekiel bread. And Ezekiel bread, I know. That's and all those wonderful good bacteria will head right across the wall of your gut and be responsible for mischief. The other thing too, because you are, you know, you, you wrote an entire book on on the keto diet. 
I see so many damn Instagram, Facebook, MCT oil, MCT oil, MCT oil. What's your what's your thought on it? Well, so MCT oil is absorbed through the gut in a totally different process. It is actually absorbed directly through the wall of the gut. It doesn't have to go on one of these moving bands. It goes directly to the liver where it is converted into ketones. The cool thing about MCT oil is you could have a bowl of berries and have a tablespoon of MCT oil and you will produce ketones, mm -hmm. even though you ate carbohydrates. So if you want to induce ketones easily, then MCT oil works really well. The problem with MCT oil, particularly for women, is women are very sensitive to MCT oil. They get nauseated, they get loose bowels, so you got to re start really slow. I found in my practice that uh, women do better with powdered MCT than they do with the liquid. And so an easy way to start is get an MCT uh, coffee creamer and start there. It's an easy way to introduce it. Like what are the things that you do to have energy, live longer? What are the five things that you do that are absolutely non-negotiable? Well, it sounds trite, but you, you do need decent sleep. Yep. And so many people think that they don't. And that's just a misnomer, sorry. I, uh, I, listen, you're preaching, preaching to the choir. I think sleep is actually the number one thing, I would argue. Number two, I do think if you're going to you know, stack them, uh, sleep comes number one. Bowel rest probably is way up there on number two. You've got to have repair time. And it's repair time not only for your bowel, but also for your brain. And mm -hmm. I go into why that's so important. Um, number three, you, you've got to get antibiotics and antibiotic-like substances like glyphosate as diminished as possible. And then you've got to take out the worst offenders. And I have a whole list of the, the troublemakers. And, and these aren't like, you know, I have nothing against a lot of the things I tell people not to eat. It's, mm -hmm. I see patients six days a week even on the weekends, and on the seventh day, I'm at Gundry MD. So I don't take a break. And so, and I test my patient's blood every three months to look for what we did with that dietary change. So again, I've, I've got no dog in the fight, so to speak. I, when I say something, I'm not conjecturing, I don't have a bias, I'm not a TikTok influencer. <laughs> I'm I'm saying, look, folks, this is, you know, this is what I've learned after 25 years of measuring patients' blood, asking them to take foods away. The other thing, uh, number where are we? Five is supplements do not make expensive urine. They do not. They are essential, particularly if there's one supplement that every human, there's two supplements that every human being has to take. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D3. Yep. The average American should be taking 10,000 international units of D3 a day. Average American. Check. Yep. Then you need time to release vitamin C. Um, we are one of the few animals that don't manufacture vitamin C. Hmm. And vitamin C 
leaves our system after three or four hours. So you got to get about a thousand milligrams of time release vitamin C into you every day. Perfect. Well, Dr. Gundry, I appreciate this tremendously. I feel like I'm going to go home. Uh, I'm going to do a whole lot of throwing away, which I'm excited about, by the way. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they get your new book? And your new book is not out yet. Correct. It comes out January 9th, but you can order it now wherever you get your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever. Thank you so much. It's been great having hey, you here. Thanks for having me. Great. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening into this episode of Hone In. If you like this episode, please make sure to subscribe. And hey, if you have a minute, drop a comment below with your biggest learning, your insights, your takeaways from this conversation. I would personally love to hear from you. Tune in each week for more answers to questions, solutions to problems, and tangible advice that you can apply to your life to live smarter, stronger, and longer. One more thing before you guys leave. This is important. The Honan Podcast is intended as general information. Our purpose is to educate, inspire, and support you as you live a healthier, longer life. The use of information on this podcast is not, and I repeat, not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, medical, or mental health professional, and it should not serve as diagnosis or treatment. If you are suffering from a psychological or a mental health condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. Thank you so much for listening to us.